Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. I have a relationship with the very one that spoke the stars into existence. Matter of fact, he named them all by name as he created them. We have a relationship with him, and we're called just to let people know, hey, do you want a relationship with God through Jesus? And you know what's a powerful message? Are you blown away? I am blown away when I share the simple message with people, and then the next thing I know, they're crying, they're weeping, and they give their lives to Christ, and they're like, whoa, what? And then, then you look at them, and they're transformed, and then they, they go home and tell their family, and then next thing you know, their kids are here, and then they're being changed, and next thing you know, they invite the neighbors, and the neighbors are being changed, and they're, they're, they're you know, not doing drugs anymore, they're not cheating on their spouses anymore, and you're just like, what? Paul the Apostle said, and I hope you guys realize this, Paul the Apostle said, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ, for it is the what? The power of God to salvation to who? Everyone. Everyone who believes. It's so powerful for the what? Jew first. Paul the Apostle, when he'd go into a new town, he'd go right to the synagogues and he would talk to the Jews first. Many rejected him, said, no, we don't believe in that Jew, that you're Messiah. And he, you know, some followed, some believed, some were converted, and then he would go to the Greeks, which is the Gentiles, and he would just preach to the Gentiles. Many of the Gentiles believed. Why? We're actually living right now, it's called the time of the Gentiles. In part, the Bible says that in part, the Jewish people, there's a, there's a blinder over their mind that they can't even see the truth. But some do, some get it, but for, for the most part, many, and then, so listen to this, but when Jesus Christ when, when we're taken up out of the way, like as I mentioned before, he's going to pour out his spirit on the Jewish people and they're going to realize the one that was pierced that, that this was their Messiah. And there's going to be a revival that's going to take place. God is not through with the nation of Israel. And I hate, I hate there's churches that have, they, they believe in replacement theology. We do not believe in that. They say, well, the church replaces the Jews. No, God's not through with with Israel, and I, I pray that you understand that. But my, my point is, that message is so powerful. I think of Rachel and Alan, you guys, they moved to Whittier, they're, I talked to them yesterday, they're coming back, they're moving back here to be back at our church. But so back in 2003, when the church started, it'll be 20 years next year, somebody handed them, listen to this, somebody handed them an invitation to church, right? So she put it on her fridge, because she's thinking, okay, we need to go to that church, and. And so then uh, their relationship, their marriage was so bad, all their friends were telling them, you guys need to get divorced. It's not going to work. You're just not meant for each other, right? So they're thinking about divorce. They're planning a divorce. They figure this, is not gonna, this marriage is not going to work, right? But one day she wakes up and she sees the, the, the flyer to the church five years later. It was on her, her fridge for five years. She takes the, the invite, right? And she tells her husband, she goes, I'm going to that little church. And he goes, I'm going with you. And she goes, no, I'm going. I don't, I'm doing this for me. He goes, well, I'm going to go with you. She goes, no, well, do it for yourself, but don't do it for me. I'm going to that church. <laughs> I'll never forget the day in the little woman's club as the gospel went out with her hands shaking and she accepted Jesus within like a couple weeks and she gave her life to Christ. Her husband was Jewish. It took him a little while. He's a little stubborn. It took him about, I don't know, about five or six months. And finally, I'll never forget the day. He walks up to me. It was the day, the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We talked about how Jesus showed up right on time. And he came up front and he says, this is the day. And I go, what, Alan? And I knew what he was talking about, but I wanted him to say it. I go, what, what, what do you mean? It's the day for what? 
and he says, this is the day that I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior. And God has blessed their marriage. And God has changed them and transformed them. And God is working in their lives. I'm looking around the room at people that just recently accepted Christ as their Savior. And we're watching them right before our eyes. They're changing right before our eyes. I told you the testimony when I was serving at Calvary Costa Mesa under Chuck Smith. A couple came up from Boston. Remember this story? They come up from Boston. And, they're, and so they wanted to pray. And I go, what do you guys need prayer for? He says, it's, and the, the husband says, it's my wife. You know, she's got an anger problem. And I looked over at her and she's like, you know, like, <laughs> you're right. She's got anger. And I go, wait, wait, let's back it up. Are you guys Christians? He goes, well, you know, I just accepted the Lord a few weeks ago. And he says, but my wife hasn't. And, and I says, well, hon, do you understand the gospel? And she's like, yeah, I understand. She says, I mean, she really had that really bad anger problem. I said, well, do you want to pray? And she's like, yeah, yeah. So we prayed. I'm not exaggerating even a little bit. She prayed to receive Jesus. I watched her change right before my eyes. It was just sin. And that's what Christ died for, to take away the sins of the world. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. This couple from Boston, would, whenever they were in town, they'd come visit us, and they'd come to church, and we'd hang out with them. And, and she was a changed woman from that point on. Not everyone's radically changed like that. I was radically changed. My wife, it took a while. It's just, it was a slower process. She'd, no, she'll admittedly say that. She's looking at me like, <laughs> I'm not talking about wherever she's at. She'll agree. It's just, no, hers was different. Mine was a radical change. I was radically changed. My wife, she'll tell you. It took her a while. It was just a, a slower process. Not every, I felt the Lord when I accepted Christ. I felt his Holy Spirit fill me. I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. I sensed his presence. My wife's different. She doesn't, you know, she's not the you know, sensitive feeling in that type of way. She's like, well, she's like, how come I don't feel these things? I don't know, but that's just, it's different. We're all different. But are you changed? You see, the message is simple. But when you accept Christ as your Savior, there needs to be a change. The same Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us as believers. So if there's no change taking place, then you may not have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Jesus told one of the most religious men that ever walked the earth, his name was Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must have a spiritual birth. He was religious. He was the most religious rabbi of the day. And he's told Nicodemus, he says, you know, that which is born of flesh is flesh. We're all born in the flesh. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. He says, you must be born again if you even want to see heaven. You need to have a spiritual birth. See, Jesus gave him the message. And Nicodemus, this very religious man, ended up accepting Christ. It's the Messiah. It's his Savior. You know the scriptures. And he was changed. The message we have is powerful. We've been entrusted with this powerful message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We're his messengers. We're his ambassadors. But don't ever forget how powerful the message is. It's powerful. It's not us. It's not how well we package it. We don't have to go to you know, some kind of schooling to be you know, super evangelist or nothing like that. It's the message itself. Do you believe? Be encouraged. Continue to share the powerful message of Christ. With this being messengers, I, I want to remind all of us as believers, the Bible makes it very clear in Matthew chapter 5, we're called the salt and the light of the earth. 
Salt, as we've mentioned even earlier, salt stops decay. We're, we're supposed to do that. I, I get a lot of people upset with me and say, Pastor, you should only be preaching the gospel. I preach the gospel every Sunday. Well, you shouldn't get involved in politics. Did anybody ever tell you you're not supposed to get involved in politics? And I hand them the Bible. I said, please show me this. Because if the Bible says that I don't, I'm not supposed to do this, I want to obey God. Please show me. And they're like, well, I just know you're not supposed to. Of course you can't point it out to me in the Bible. Why? Because just about everybody in the Bible was involved in politics. Why? Listen, why? Why, why, did, why did John the Baptist get beheaded? Because he called out a corrupt politician. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're like, we're not going to bow down to your statue. They, they defied the government. The midwives were told to kill the, the Hebrew boys. We looked at that at last uh, Sunday, to kill all the firstborn babies. And they said, no, we're, we fear God. We're going to obey God. Remember we looked at this last Sunday, what happened? God blessed them. We're called to be salt and light. And we're living a day, guys, listen, seriously. We're living in a day right now where we need to stand up for what's right and truth. That's why I'm very blessed to have these two people sitting right here before us, because they're standing up for truth. There's very few out there that are doing that right now. Shame on the church, shame on the pastors, and yeah, I'm talking to those in the camera, shame on you pastors if you're not being salt and light and you're not equipping the saints because there's a battle that's taking place. Decay is real, and as salt, we, we, we step in and say, no, that's decay, it's wrong. Well, I, I did my fact check and you're wrong. Well, this is my fact check, it's right here, it's the Bible. Challenge me with the Bible. Don't challenge me with these, these corrupt people that try to put out fact checks that they need, to, they need the Lord because they do not know what they're talking about. But salt and light. So what's going on with being salt and light as we stand up? Light exposes that, those things that are in darkness. It, it reveals truth. When a, you turn on a light, you see what's real and true. And that's what we're called to do, guys. How about this? This is from Mary Barkey. She uses this as part of her PowerPoint. Look at this, Hamilton High School in Los Angeles, California. So not only do we have the Black Lives Matter in a classroom, also the gay pride, and we, and we pray for the homosexual community. They need Jesus, God loves them, but that's in a classroom. But look at this poster, it says there in this poster, blank the police and blank America, on a poster in a classroom in a public school. Salt and Light says, that's wrong. That should not be in the classrooms. Uh, where's, where's the American flag, by the way? And then you have this. Did you guys see this? New Oregon law calls menstrual, this is called Menstrual Dignity Act. Now, it requires menstrual products in boys' bathrooms. Yeah, and it starts at age kindergarten through 12th grade. It's the law. They have to have these products in bathrooms. Which part of science are they following? They're telling us, follow science? How about this? Woke DC Elementary School anti-racist uh, fist book asks youth, who in your family has racist beliefs? So they're asking, as young as four years old, they're asking these kids to please call out anybody in your family that's racist. And then you've got our new press secretary. Well, her partner works for CNN, and that's interesting by itself. But then you have new White House press secretary urges Democrats to skip pro-Israel conference. So she's against the, this uh, American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. She claims that it's severely racist. So guys, listen, I mentioned this the first service. I want to mention this to you very clearly. In Genesis, it tells us that God will bless those that bless the, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jewish people. And it says, I will curse those that curse you. I strongly believe 
The reason why this country has been so blessed for so many years is because we've been standing strong with the nation of Israel. When we start turning our back on the nation of Israel, watch out. And this is a start, and then I'll show you more. So we've got a president, uh, Biden institute, uh, institutes rules forbidding U.S. soldiers from non-official travel to Israel. And I know there's, there's you know, some turmoil over there, but that's not the reason why. And then you've got this. Keep an eye on this. Whenever you see Israel in the news, you see Iran in the news, you see Turkey in the news, these are all players that in the last days will stand. And so we, we should keep an eye on this because it says Russia, Israeli relations unravel as Putin risks losing key Middle East ally. So because of the Ukraine war, um, Israel has showed some support, and so Russia's not happy, and so their relationship is kind of unraveling right now. But we know in Ezekiel 38, 39, that Russia will attack Israel from the northern border with, you guys remember, Iran, Turkey, you guys still with me? Are you guys still there? Okay. And uh, isn't it funny? Listen, that was predicted thousands of years ago. And if you check world history, Russia never had an alliance with Iran militarily ever until recent history. Well, Ezekiel said in the last days, they will have a relationship and they'll have one with Turkey, which blew my mind. I've been preaching that for years and now they're all together. Guess where they're at? In Syria on the northern border. Well, doesn't it say they're gonna come down from the north? So it's a good thing to keep our eyes on. And then you have, then you've got Elizabeth Warren because of this Roe v. Way that might be turned around. And I wanna thank the Lord for that, that that would get turned around. So it says she's madder than blank, and she says, I'm determined to fight like blank. And then so Matt Walsh, Walsh says, imagine being an elderly grandmother infuriated that fewer babies are being killed. And then this is the Supreme Court votes to overturn abortion rights. This is a leak that's gone out. Even the leak, I hope you guys know, that was evil. Did you guys know that? That's never happened in history. And this has happened. Why? They want to squash this. Guys, when I found out that this was the ruling, literally I had to fight my tears because this has to stop. Babies are being killed by the millions. This must stop, amen? Then you've got, do you guys realize this, that abortion activists to storm Catholic churches during masses on Mother's Day, and it's already started, and there's videos that are, are circulating. This is, this is all about war. Why? Because Satan is a destroyer of life. God is the one that gives life, and it's a battle. And then, I love this, Ronald Reagan said, I've noticed that everyone that is for abortion has already been born. (laughs) Very close friends of ours, on Friday, their daughter-in-law brought their 12-year-old daughter to the doctors because she had a rash. This is a true story. These are close friends of ours. And they called me immediately after this. The doctor looked at the mother of this 12-year-old child and said, excuse me, but she doesn't have to talk about her medical history with you in this room. She would have to sign a release for you to be in this room. And so she's 12 years old. And you say, yeah, I know she's 12 years old, but um, she would have to sign something if we talk about your medical history. That's insane. That's literally insane. And they called me up right away, and I'm like, that's why we do what we do here. Because it is insane. 12 years old? There's still a child. Parents should be involved in what the doctor decides for their child. So literally, yeah, the doctor says, no, no, the child needs to sign a release. Otherwise, you know, 
If she gives it okay consent, then we can talk about her medical history, but the child has to sign this. That's insane. And that's where our country's going, at least if we do not stand up. Amen? Okay, back in our text. Let's go back. It goes on. Jesus says, I am the root and the offspring of, can we say that out loud? David, the bright and morning. Both of these titles are messianic, meaning Jesus is proclaiming that he is the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. It's important for us to, to know that. He's proclaiming that I'm the one that the scriptures talk about. I love in Matthew, remember in Matthew 22, remember the religious leaders. These were the scholars, the Pharisees. Remember uh, Jesus met with them and Jesus asked them saying, what do you think about the Christ? What do you think about the Messiah? And he says, whose son is he? And rightfully so, they said, the son of David. He's, they knew their scripture. They realized, yeah, he's going to come down Jesse, the line of Jesse. So David, King David, he'll have to be born in that. And then he said to them, then how does, listen to this, how does David in the spirit call him Lord? And he was quoting Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemy your footstool. So he's asking a great question. He says, well, David, you know, the Lord, that's God. He calls the Messiah and he's calling him Lord. He says, if he's his son, how can he call him Lord? And it blew their mind. They didn't know how to answer it. Matter of fact, it says, and, and no one was able to answer him. These are the scholars of the day. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Because they're like, whoa, whoa, he's way beyond us. We better step back from this guy. But it's simple. We just read why he's the root and offspring of David. In other words, Jesus Christ, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. It says all things were created by him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. He created all things. So he created David. God the Son created David, the root. David sprung up from him. He created him, the root. And the offspring, then he became a man, born of a virgin named Mary through the line of David. And that's how that fits in there. Fascinating, isn't it? And that's the Isaiah 11.1 1 is where it talks about, he shall come forth as a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse is David's father. Most of you know that. And from the branch, he shall grow out and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And then if you don't think that's messianic, I just read the rest of it. It's all about the Messiah. So it's definitely talking about the Messiah would be born through Jesse's line, which Jesus was born through Jesse's line. Also, he said, I'm the bright and morning star. This is believed to be Venus because Venus is the, the first star, the, the dawning star. Do you ever go out when it's just dawn and you see that bright star shining? That's Venus. It shines above all the other stars. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the bright and morning. I shine above all my creation. I'm the bright and morning star. But also, it's a prophecy. A star shall come out of Jacob. And he came through the line of Jacob. And so the prophecy is that he would be this star. That, that word star is a blazing star, or you know, could also be translated the morning star. He is the bright and morning star. When Jesus comes back the second time, he will bring a whole new day. That it'll, after the darkness of the seven years of tribulation, Jesus will come and rule and reign, and he'll be the bright and morning star. Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies, 300. And I, I put some up here, and if you want to, you know, later on, if you need these references, you can ask me. So I put a bunch of references. So he's to be born in Bethlehem, fulfilled. He'll be called a, a, a Naz, Nazarene. He was, born, he was raised in Nazareth. 
how would he die? He'd be crucified before crucifixion was even invented. You've got that on and on. They'll pierce his hands and his feet. They'll, uh, he'll die sacrificed for many. He fulfilled over 300. And I've got all these up here. I don't want to take too much time staying on them. I just want to say this. In order for Jesus, and you might have heard this before, in order for Jesus to fulfill, listen, eight out of 300 prophecies, this is the odds. 10 to the 17th power. 10 to the 17th power. And you might be looking at I think you're looking at it. What does that even mean? I, I, I believe the same thing. What does that mean? 10 to the 17th power. Let me put it to you this way. You might have heard this before, but this is just awesome. 10 to the 17th power would be if you were to take the state of Texas and you would fill the whole state of Texas with silver dollars, right? Two feet high. And then you would take one of those silver dollars and you'd put a, a black X on it, right? And you'd throw it back in there and somehow, some way, if you could shake it all up, you'd shake it all up and mix it all up. And then you would take a man that's blindfolded in a helicopter. He wouldn't be flying, obviously. And you were to drop him off wherever he said, just drop me right here. With the blindfold on, if he were to pick up the very first try, pick up that silver dollar with that X on it, that's 10 to the 17th power. Nearly impossible. That's eight out of 300 prophecies. Jesus Christ fulfilled more than 300. Actually, someone counted 365 prophecies fulfilled. He's the one that stands above all his creation. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. We just read his words. He said, I came from the line of David, fulfilled that prophecy. I'm the one that was predicted it would come as a star. And you look through all these prophecies and it'll blow your mind. Even when I, I talk with Hebrew scholars, I, I love talking to them because they, they know what the Hebrew words mean. And so I, I'll go through that with them. And it's, and it's so mind-boggling because I know very little Hebrew. And it's like, but I know these certain words, what they mean. So I'll say, oh, okay, um, okay, let's talk about, okay, so what's your biggest reason why you don't believe? And they say, well, you believe in three gods. I said, that's a good start. I believe in three gods. Yeah, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're absolutely right. And you believe in the Shema, the Lord thy God. Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. And they're like, absolutely, see, one God. I said, you know that word's even a compound word, that word one? I said, you have another word. I think it's akad. I can't pronounce it right. And they, go, they correct me every time. Akad. And I'm like, okay, that word right there. <laughs> that's a compound word. As a matter of fact, the first time you ever see it in your scriptures is in Genesis where it says the two in marriage shall become a cod, compound, one. Why, why would that word be used in your scriptures? Why don't you use a single word, one? Why? As a matter of fact, in, the, in Genesis, in the beginning, it says, it's, it, God said, let us, let us create man in our image. And I'll ask them, who do you think he's talking to? And he's, they'll say the angels, right? And I said, how can it be the angels? Angels are not made in the image of God. How about the first word, first verse? In the beginning, God. What's that word in Hebrew? Elohim. Why Elohim? Why a plural form of God? And right, right off the get-go, why, why is that being used? And why in Scripture it talks about the Son of God? Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked in the fiery furnace, there's one like the Son of God. Then there's other Scripture that talks about, you know, what is his name, God's name, and what is his Son's name, if you know? Jesus Christ came to the earth to save mankind. He's the one that was predicted throughout scriptures. He fulfilled over 300 prophecies, where he'd be born, how he would die, crucifixion. Guys, 
when, he, when it was written, crucifixion, that wasn't even invented yet. Do you know that? Crucifixion wasn't invented. When he talks about the pierced his hands and his feet, he talks about how the Messiah would die through crucifixion, it wasn't even invented. When that was written, the, the way of, of, of uh, capital punishment was stoning. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know you know this, but he is my bright and morning star. And I pray he's your bright and morning star. He stands out from all the rest. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.